Hello travellers, and welcome to Tales from the Dark Dragon's Inn, Season 2, Episode 16, The New Arrival. Announcements We finally have official artwork. This is specifically for the characters in Season 2. We'll be unveiling this via our Patreon, at first to patrons only. So far we've revealed Mix, Scrawl, and the Doomsinger. Later today we'll be revealing Toby, then in the next few days, Urbach and Murren too. These will all be revealed publicly, first on our Patreon on November 14th, so keep an eye out on patreon.com forward slash darkdragonsin. More news! We're on Spotify now! We've actually been on Spotify for a couple of weeks, but completely forgot to mention it. If you could go and download our show there, it would significantly contribute to our visibility and we'd love to have your support. So, if you're a Spotify user, go check us out on there. Next weekend, on October 26th to the 29th, myself and Nina will be at MCM Comic Con in London. You can find us in the dealers area under the banner of Perlesked. If you're wily though, you can also spot Liz in the wild in her full cosplay as Mollymock or Vinny, no doubt haunting the comic village or one of the Critical Role events. If you stop by Nina's table and mention our show or tell us you're a listener, you can expect some free Halloween goodies. So check out the link to Perlesked in the show notes so you know what to look for. This week we actually have the whole crew. Hi, I'm Vinny. My pronouns are he, him. I play Murren, the half-orc monk. His pronouns are he, him. I'm Liz. My pronouns are she, her. And I play Toby, the tiefling warlock of the Raven Queen. He uses he, him. Hi, I'm Tom. My pronouns are he, him. And I play Urbach, the lizard man wizard. He uses he, him pronouns. I'm Nina. My pronouns are she, her. And I play Mix, the Asimar warlock of the Fae. Her pronouns are also she, her. And I'm Ray your host and game master. I use he, him pronouns. I play Scrawl and the Doomsinger, who both use he, him pronouns too. And I also play just about everyone else. And now, without further ado, on with the show. Hey, welcome, welcome, come on in. Your usual table's waiting. With each passing day, our company grew stranger. To my dismay, our lives filled with danger. Each turn in the street, another plot twist. Each person we meet, another near miss. Uh, back you left the others at the wizard house, and they went off in search of Scraw. The result of that was they found Scraw, and Scraw got arrested, and then they came to find you. And that is where they are. They are on their way to find you. However... I'm going to take a brief flashback moment here and step into Urbach walking away from the wizard house. Urbach, you are making your way to the docks where you last saw Urk. You're probably just really wrapped up and excited about this knowledge that you have in your hands, that you've got these books that you're going to get to actually convince Urk to help you go through them and decipher the knowledge within what's going through your head right now. There's so much. I mean... I could I could learn things. I could summon things. I mean, what's the point of having to, to hunt for these materials and if I can just conjure them out of thin air? There's, there's potential here. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. As you are walking down the street, you are predominantly taking the main roads and you're quite absorbed in your thought process. But occasionally you catch glimpses of people looking at you. 
as you are walking down the street. And the first time it happens, you catch sight of another lizard folk and you make eye contact with them briefly and you wonder for a second whether or not you were muttering to yourself out loud, but then they look away and continue on down the road and you don't think anything of it. But this happens with increasing frequency, people coming from different directions. Each time it appears to be a different person, you are getting closer and closer to the docks and you're faced with a young Goliath who walks past and quite pointedly walks past you and looks and watches as he walks past. Hmm. That's that's not... Huh. I'll quickly look around for a nearby window that looks reflective enough, at least, to check something out. You easily find a nearby window. You're still walking through major roads, and there's quite a few buildings. You stop by the window of a store. What are you looking, looking for? Looking at me. Do I, do I look normal? What on earth is... As far as you can tell, you look like a backfoss. And as you're looking, turning your head side to side, trying to get a better look, it's as you turn your head, you look one way, and then you turn your head back using your other eye. And by the time your head is turned fully, there is someone standing behind you. You feel a small blade pressed into the back of your coat. I think you better come with me. <laughs> I turn to look. You turn to look. The figure that you could see in the window standing behind you was a large half-orc with a vivid patch of red scales that run from top of their head down across one cheek. They don't seem familiar to you in any way, shape or form. Mm. How is he dressed? Fairly plainly. Not dressed like a street beggar or a person of particular wealth. They're just dressed in everyday ordinary travelling clothes. Mm. I think they put a hand on your left shoulder and begin pushing slightly, just guide you. If you respond in any way other than appearing to walk in the way that they are encouraging you to walk, the braid presses just a little bit I'd start walking. Uh, they begin to direct you towards a nearby side street. Okay. I'm curious. I'll continue. You walk into the side street and... They walk you further and further until you get to a side alley from the side street and they turn you down it. Once you turn into the alley, the hand comes off your shoulder and the knife presses a bit deeper, shoving you forward a foot or so. And you hear them take a step back. Hmm. What's directly ahead of me? Anything? Just looks like a dead end. I turn around. Turn around and what is standing in front of you is no longer a plainly dressed half orc, but a figure that's dressed almost entirely in black. They have two large scimitars crossed across their back. Their uh, body from the neck down is wrapped in a deep black velvet. Their face is not masked, but they have a hood that's high above their head, which they're lowering as you turn. And you see standing in front of you a silver-haired elf who is smiling broadly, and with the scimitars crossed across his back, he is also holding a small but rather sharp-looking stiletto dagger. Hmm. Well, secrecy. If you wanted to talk, you could have just asked. Oh, I don't want to talk. Your head is going to fetch me quite the price. He says this and begins to move closer to you, pocketing the dagger and drawing the scimitars as he steps closer. I just don't like to kill a man from behind, if I can avoid it. Mm. As he steps closer to you, you hear what sounds like 
stones. Just a few gentle clacks as something falls down the side of a wall behind you. He doesn't seem to notice. It's followed by a piece of tile that falls from a nearby roof and smashes in the alley behind him. And he looks around suddenly, immediately drawing both blades. You just hear... As a giant shadow plummets from the building above, crashes on top of the elf in front of you. In moments, the scene of devastation is over as the Grey Render is beating its fists over and over and over into the pulp that is, or was, this man. Hmm. I stay my ground and watch until it's over. I mean, it's over! (laughs) It hasn't stopped, but it's over, for sure. This creature is in a frenzy, just beating the paste of Elf. Shows no sign of abating. I raise my arm and begin to charge up the necromantic energy I would normally use to cast Chill Touch. Nothing seems to happen immediately, but as time passes and you're slowly charging this spell, the creature, the dog, as it was once named, slowly begins to tire itself out and then stands up, stretches, puts its hands behind its head and knits its fingers together behind its head and stretches back with its elbows in the air and turns to look at you. I nodded it, then... I go over to inspect the mess of the remains. What are you looking for? Any sign of any indication of who he may have been, what he was, or in particular, looking to see if there's anything that indicates he may be an elf of the more slaver inclination. The creature, as you get closer, takes a step out of the remains and scuffs its feet against the wall, clearing off the remnants. You sift through what little it has left in one piece. There's nothing here that's identifying, per se. You try to find a pocket, and you do, but the pocket just contains the stiletto dagger and a few ball bearings, a couple of very nondescript and simple weapons. A lot of the things in the pockets are things like daggers, stuff that you could cause some harm with surreptitiously without being noticed. (laughs) There's a scroll in one pocket just covered in blood, but you can see that there's no text on it anymore. What you would be aware of is there was something on here. It has been expended. What you do find is his forearm on which there is a tattoo. (laughs) It's not necessarily a slaver brand. What it is is the mark of a sect specifically of bounty hunters that were used to track down runaway slaves in the wastes. As far as you know, no slaves have ever made it out of the wastes, so you never would have expected to see one of them anywhere near where you are. Hmm. That's... I'm in danger. Right. Okay. Erbach will begin checking the pockets of the materials and seeing if any of them are still usable, if they haven't been beaten into uselessness. So I look up and I approach the render. Is it reacting in any way to me? It's just chilling out. Once it's finished scraping its claws and its feet against the wall of the alley, it's just standing. You get the sense that it's watching you, but obviously it's not watching you directly because it's basically blind. Mm. It is paying attention to where you are. Is sensing your presence. You're useful. I need to hide you. Hmm. You say, I need to hide you, and the creature looks down at the mess on the floor 
with one claw picks up a piece of the torn up fabric and puts it on its head. Walkjack. Hmm. That may be hard. I'm not entirely sure I could convince my comrades they would prove of you. If I could change your size at will, oh, that would be much more effective. Hmm. Well, there's somewhere I can look at. In the meantime, we need to find out if Irk actually cares whether or not you're alive. I reach toward the creature. Hmm. Do you obey me, I wonder? Uh, I say that in Dwarvish. Hmm. You get the impression that it's been following you across the city this whole time, from rooftop to rooftop. Very well, then. Wait until I need you. I'm going to have a talk of a certain boy. Let's find out whether or not he's a threat to you. And I think with that, you head over to the docks. You arrive, and when you return to where he was shining shoes, he does not appear to be there. But you ask around. The response you get generally is that around this time, he tends to be hanging around the low lantern, begging. Ah, I fish out the map from my pocket. Right. Hmm. So you make your way from the market where you found him shining shoes further into the Docklands. Following your map, you come to an area where there are a number of barges pulled up, and they are largely parked in and near and around a large, oldish-looking ship that is tethered to the dock itself. And you see that there is a sign of a very large, dusty-looking lantern. It appears in the sign that it is dimly lit. Ah, well, um, I suppose it was in the water. Ah. Looking around the area, you do indeed see that Urk is not standing by the entrance because you get the impression that the bouncer there hasn't let him hang around too closely to hassle the patrons for a long time. But at the same time, the bouncer can't really leave the tavern door to do anything about him. So even though he's not hanging around by the tavern, he is also hanging around by the tavern, hassling the patrons. I scurry on over to him. Not really very sneakily at all. Oh, you're all right. You're, uh, ah. you're on your own. That's, that's interesting. Yes, we... um. There was a sort of a division in terms of locating other members. There was confusion. But um, yes, the important thing is, I believe we have what we consider to be the book. I hope so. Right. Well, uh, let's um, tell you what. They, uh, they don't normally let me in, but if I'm with an adult, I'm, I might get away with it. Should we head inside and you can show me this uh, book then? Of course, of course. Um, yes, uh, very well then. Should I... Should I take your hand? Um, so, I mean, I'm not entirely sure if I can pretend you're my child. I've, I'll just follow. I'll just follow close. It's probably fine. Very well. As you head over to the entrance of the Low Lantern, there's a large goblin on the door, which of course is still very small compared to her back. And he stands there with his arms crossed. He's quite swole for a goblin. He's just like, what? Greetings. Welcome to the Low Lantern. I have to say, it's an impressive place. I was quite confused at first following a map. Yes, we're uh, we're quite popular these days. Yes, I must say. Um, you do serve food here, of course. Well, yes, 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 yes. Food, usually, yes, yes. Looks up at the sun. Sun's still up. We serve food. You're all right. Ah, brilliant. Certainly grateful you don't live around the Arctic or polar regions. 
Yes, yes, that would not be good for business, probably. Although, actually, it would probably be quite good for business, really, because people would like a, a warm place to go and have a have a nice hot toddy and, you know, a bit of warm grub in the middle of the Arctic. I reckon that's a, that's a business venture right there. Huh. Well, certainly be. Would you get the patrons? Tell you what, if you ever happen by the Arctic, I reckon by the time you're there, I'll have my own business right in the middle of it. We'll call it Scones. It's gone with your name or the um, name of the place? Scond. Yeah, Scond's me. Pleasure. Ah, pleasure to meet you. Well, uh, I hope you enjoy your your time here today. Urk, you're not hassling people, are you? If I catch you begging inside, I'll throw you in the fucking river. It's quite all right. I thought I'd treat him to a meal. He's been an excellent job on my shoes the other day. All right, well... To each their own, sir. You're a generous sort. I can see that. At this point, I look down and realise that my shoes look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just try to shuffle away before anyone notices. You gather when he's saying that you're a generous sort, you're also clearly generous about the job he did. You head on inside. It's a relatively busy tavern, considering the time of day. It's between 3 and 4pm. It's quite busy. There's a number of patrons. Glancing around, you see a couple of people from the Black Claw sitting around a table having some drinks and food. You see a group of three women, a furbolg, a goblin, and an elf sitting together. They look quite well dressed, but there is also a spare table in the back that appears to be quiet and out of the way, and Urk, seemingly knowing this place better than you might have assumed, walks directly over there. My instinct is to always go for the hidden one in the back, so I walk over there and nearly bump into Urk. He definitely steps out of the way, side-eyes you, and walks over to the table, hops up on a stool and pats his hands down on the table, waits for you to take a seat. All right, well, um, should we order some food first, I suppose, to I... so we don't have a waitress looking over? I don't think that's really necessary. Let's get down to business, shall we? Ah, yeah. So I reach under my cloak and pull out what I hope, for the love of God, is the book. Which one are you pulling out? I take out the large red bound manual that has the word Dwarven Baked Goods on it first. You pass it over to him and he takes it in his hands. He looks slightly concerned as he looks at the book and he turns it over in his hands and you see him running his hand down the back of the book side to side as though he's feeling something there. And You remember looking at the cover all the way around and you didn't notice anything yourself. But you see his hand running across the page and his eyes are flicking left to right as though he's reading. And then he smiles, looks up and, thank you, this'll do nicely. And he takes the book and puts it underneath the table on his lap. Phew. Will that be all then? We were worried that it might not be the case given the title, but then we saw the lock and we realised you... Anyway, um, yes, um, no, no, there's... uh, There was a problem we mentioned we had earlier. We were hoping if you knew any means of dealing with it? Dealing with what? Well, the thing that escaped, namely, we have some slight concerns about it being in the vicinity in Baldur's Gate. Right. I, hmm, I know a great many things. About a great many things. What do you know? I must make the confession that we looked at a journal there, and we know the creature's name. I see. Well, I mean, you obviously took things out of the house that you shouldn't have, which freed the creature in the first place. So I suppose at this point it's neither here nor there. We are willing, of course, to ourselves to go out and deal with it. We just um, need the information. My specialties do not lie in anything to do with this area, you see. Well, I can certainly look at this tome and see if there's anything of use. What sort of information are you looking for? What solution are you trying to reach? Any means of locating, subduing, and inferior, if this is what I think it is, are banishing, I suppose. The only way I would 
really know would be to have his original formula, and perhaps we could reverse engineer something, but without knowing exactly where it came from, what it is, and how he brought it here, I, I have nothing I can offer, really. Well, um, hmm. I... We do have this. As I said, once it escaped, we reasoned that we should take this to you. I produce the journal. And this is... Uh, towards the end of it, there's some description of this thing and some kind of scroll. I can't make head or tail of these diagrams, so I was hoping there may be some use to you. Or us, in this case. Right. Perhaps we should put our heads together and uh, see what we can come up with. Ah, excellent. Because I'm very, very much concerned about this thing, given that it, well, extremely dangerous, as you probably may have ventured from the people you may have sent there before. We found a few of them. They they were not in good condition. No, I expect not. I'm glad you all made it out much better, though. It's very useful to know. Hey, I see you reaching for the skip button. But listen, there are a ton of fantastic shows out there. Here's one you could be missing out on right now. Hi, I'm Jeff Stormer, and I host Party of One, an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with my friends, we play a two-player game, we share a few laughs, maybe a few tears, and a really good time. We aim to explore a variety of games, playstyles, and emotional experiences that are often overlooked in the tabletop hobby. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Check us out at partyofonepodcast.com. See now, was that so bad? And now, on with the show. Thirty minutes to an hour or so later, are you all just heading straight to the Low Lantern as you originally planned? I would say yes. Yeah. Mix is probably trailing behind, kicking her feet in the dirt, thinking, still should have kidnapped him. Question? I'm hoping that no one is letting Toby lead the charge. It's void. Any and all alleys. I think the Doomsinger is probably leading you, and you are led to the Docklands. He's playing with his loot today, he's constantly fiddling with it, and he's tuning it as he walks. And you arrive in the Docklands, and he begins to lead you towards the area where most of the ships are breached, where you find the sign of the Low Lantern. It's a bit later in the day, 5pm, and there is a different bouncer on the door than Urbach dealt with. There is a, a lizard folk. He's just standing there, wearing a little suit jacket. It's fairly plain. But he's doing his best to look tough. He's quite bulky. As you approach, he says, Welcome to the Low Lantern. Ah, uh, thanks. You're welcome. I hope you have a pleasant evening. Uh, I hope you do. Toby walks into the Low Lantern and I cast my eye about for Arkin. Air back. Toby is taking the lead, looking around the bar inside the Low Lantern. And you look around, you see a few interesting folk at the tables. You do see some members of the Black Claw enjoying a few drinks. You see an interesting group of travellers who are sitting together, and the only people in this bar that are carrying weapons are the Black Claw and these three, or at least carrying weapons openly. And eventually you locate in the dark corners of the room, which is naturally where your eyes gravitate, being that that's where you would normally choose to sit, Urbach and Urk poring over books. And they both are drinking something at this point. I approach. Oh, I really don't think we're going to... Uh... This doesn't... What if... And then he looks up and sees you. Ah, it seems we have company. Indeed. Ah, hello there. I thank you for your services. 
They were appreciated. I'm glad none of you are too hurt. And he looks over at Nix and looks at Toby. Well, you're still walking. So there's that. It's always a bonus. He smiles politely. Indeed. I take a seat at the table. As you do so, he looks at the rest of you. Oh, please. Uh, feel free to pull up a chair. We're just reading this horribly depressing book. Oh. So- His journal. He's... uh. It's rather glum, isn't he? A very driven fellow, I must say. Yes, I'll give you that. Have you, have you uh, gotten anywhere with our uh, problem? Well, no, but uh, the journal part is interesting. Well, don't keep it all to yourself. What what about it's interesting? Well, he was a wizard, and he lived in a house which he trapped magically and then summoned a demon inside of it and set up a whole bunch of traps, and then there's no sign of the fact that he exists anymore, which is interesting. Yeah, we have. We know all about the house. We got to experience that part firsthand. Some of those traps were very infuriating. I do wonder how on earth he managed to traverse his entire house when these doorknobs electrocuted you. Oh, uh, sounds like you had a good time. You made it out, so can't have all been bad. And from the sounds of it, you left the house with ill-gotten gains of some sort or another, so... I'm not sure how much value a crowbar and some rope is, but there you go. I look down, shuffle my bag a bit. (laughs) He just maintains a perfect poker face. I'm sure you'll find some use for them. I'm sure we would. He turns to you, back. I think, given enough time, we could potentially break these apart, but without the missing pages, I think breaking the cipher is going to be vastly more difficult. The diagrams, of course, are... And he names a few wizards. And of course, their research, that's where he's gotten the, the pentagrams, and this symbol here you can see came from Otoluke, and this one is definitely a modern Canaan specialty. But all of this stuff here, this nonsense, it's clearly a code of some sort, and without the cipher, it's going to take a very long time to break. <laughs> I'd say what you have here is certainly how he managed to summon the creature, or at least perhaps how he managed to control it. I'm not sure how this entity works. Great render. Does that mean anything to you? It's not something I've encountered myself. Well, it it was big, extremely threatening, and curiously blind. I see. Hmm. How big? Well, it seems like it... It can change size. He narrows his eyes. Huh. When we first encountered it, it was basically filling any space it inhabited. And he looks down at the diagrams again. Well, now that you say that... You see this icon here, and he points to one of the symbols on the diagram uh, back. I think this one is a binding symbol. And this one, I don't think its ability to change size was its own ability, if you catch my meaning. Hmm. I think that might have been something that he did to it. Perhaps that was linked to the spell that bound it to the house. Well, it um, when it initially appeared, it was gargantuan, and then... Reduced itself to a more fitting size, I suppose. Compact. Yes. Let's see. Well, as I say, these signs here suggest to me that that's not an innate ability that it has. So do you think that now it's no longer in the house, it might not be able to change size anymore? If I'm right, then perhaps. Hmm. The trouble is, is that when we attempted to re-enter the house, it, well, seemed to not be enterable, I suppose. It's like it's not there anymore. Yes, it was like it's all become a mere illusion. Yeah, the black door at the front isn't part of the street anymore. Wait, so it's not 
Well, when we investigated any houses we looked at or tried to peer into appeared lived in, not abandoned like the wizard houses. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like it's not there anymore. Like the whole thing's shifted, I don't know. It's a very weird house. Well, I suppose that makes sense. He was uh, a conjuration specialist, so... Eric, did you know him? That's not really any of your business, is it? Is that a yes? Mix is giving him a death stare. He just looks at you deadpan, Murren, and says nothing. I'll look at everyone else. Drop it, maybe? Mm-hmm. Mix is trying to contain herself, because she wants to break his nose. I just squint a little. Toby's giving Mix warning glares across the table, assuming that they're not sitting next to each other. Mix is still giving the child death glares. Truthfully, I don't think we're going to get anywhere without the missing pages. Assuming he didn't just destroy them. As far as we know, there's no way for us to get back into the house. Maybe maybe Tusk left the house. He could be alive. Who? The fellow in this journal. Ah. Oh, the wizard. Bartholomew. It's certainly possible. Hmm. It's been many years since anyone has heard from him. It's been years? Yes. Hmm. Would a wizard just suddenly up and leave? After creating this thing was, I guess, some sort of breakthrough, but possibly also some sort of mistake with... Someone just up and leave that? He doesn't say anything. He just looks down at the table. I mean, he certainly wasn't in the house. It could have been by his own hand that he tore those pages out. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, the pages that are missing are basically the key to solving what he wrote in his journal. But what if he didn't want anyone to solve well, it? Well, that would be why he ripped the pages out. Exactly. What if he is the render? Frankly, it's none of my concern. I have what I want. And as I said, I don't really think there's anything I can do to help you, so unless there's something that you need of me, I think our business is concluded. Hmm. Do you know any way of bringing that house back? I mean, unless you have any more concern of what's in there, I would greatly love to explore it and see if we can work out anything else that could be of value in there. I imagine if it's gone, it's precisely where it needs to be. Huh? That's all he says as he gets up from the table, tome in hand. Hmm. Well, it's been a pleasure. And he looks around at you all and says, be sure to let me know if you need a guide. And he turns around and begins to walk out of the bar. So that wasn't as uh, fruitful as we were hoping. There's no way he was going to help us. Well, he certainly seems to be helping himself. Hmm. That reminds me, should we be focusing on perhaps trying to find this person who we're supposed to be doing for the Black Claw? I admit this was quite a sidetrack, but I would prefer to be able to keep in their employ and have a steady income. Do you really think we should be talking about that in the place of question and not somewhere more private? Oh. Huh. Well, I mean, we are here. Are we not- Wait. Hang on. Where's Scraw? Scraw has... He's taking a nap. He's gotten himself arrested. For napping? No, he didn't get arrested for napping. He got arrested for beating up, I guess, half of the City Watch. Hmm. I don't know why. It was quite impressive. I don't think that's what we should be taking from this at all. Although I'd just suggest that the City Watch are generally not very capable of taking out this Grey Render if, well, Scrawl can take on half of them. You have a point there, but I think I would rather actually know why Scrawl's beating them all up. I don't think the captain of the City Watch would let us go and ask. We didn't make a fantastic impression. Didn't he set off on his own to go and find the Grey Render? Yeah, I'm curious about how he went from setting off to try and 
find the Grey Render and protect people from it to beating up the City Watch. I would like to know what happened in that time, but again, I don't think they're going to let us walk in there and ask him. Um, hmm. well, I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, it's only a binary infraction. Isn't it? I hope so, but I'm not betting on it. As you're all sitting around having this conversation about Scraw being arrested and whatnot, a small, youngish-looking lizard folk girl with a bonnet and a tidy little maid outfit wanders up to you all at your table. She has a basket in her hands filled with flowers, and she takes one out. She holds one up to you, Mix. Would you like to buy a flower? Mm. Only two copper, miss. Yeah, right. And she takes one out, and it's a small golden-coloured rose. And she hands it out. Thanks, miss. It's two copper. Mix is jingling around, and she's going to tip this girl. I will give her 50 copper. That's, That's very kind of you, but that's really not necessary. And she puts the flower in your hand, and you notice that around the stem of the rose is a piece of paper that has wound around. Take good care of it, miss. If you take care of the rose, it'll take care of you. And then she takes the copper and she walks away from your table. But thank you. Noticing this, I'm going to untie the note. Read that little note. You take the piece of paper off and you unravel it. And it just says, where the hell have you been? I've been waiting since yesterday. What? Meet me by the city fountains. I'll be waiting. All right. Signed A.S. A.S. And then there is a symbol of a palm next to the signature. What does it say? This person's asking where I've been, where we've been, and to meet them by the fountain? Can I see that? Uh, sure. This is probably the person we're meant to meet from the Order of the Gauntlet. Akin? Yeah. Akin Celebon? Yeah. If you remember correctly, we were supposed to meet them before we got dragged into the rest of this mess. You have been dragged into an awful lot of messes. I think half of it's our own doing, but yes, we've been dragged into a mess. And we were supposed to meet this person before anything else happened. I, I don't know how long they've been waiting, but should we go and meet them? No, it says right here they've been waiting since yesterday. I must say that's a long time to wait. Yeah, maybe we should go there. So does anyone have any idea where these fountains are? Yeah, it's back at the central square. We were going to head that way before and then got derailed, and we should probably just go now. Yes. Yes. Let's let's just go. We do have a lot of day. Mix doesn't really want to stay here any longer than they have to. and I'm up already. You all get up, head out of the low lantern, uh, back tucks the wizard's journal away into his things. As Mix said, she knows the way. She begins to lead you across the lower city to the central square. You're heading down one of the main roads out of the Docklands. It's not as populated as it was earlier today. There's still people here and there. But as you walk past a side street in the direction of the lower city, you begin to hear what sounds like the scattering of tiles behind you. As if someone was climbing over a roof. Perhaps, yes. And occasionally, as you're walking along, you see people who are heading in the direction towards you. As they're walking past, they look in your direction, then they look up and they look slightly startled and continue walking more hurriedly. I stop and turn to look in the direction that they were looking. You turn and look up at a nearby building in an incredibly inelegant manner. The Grey Render appears to be half hanging off the roof. It's clearly just jumped from one building to the next and it's now scrabbling its way back onto to the top of the roof. Guys? 
My jaw drops. Just scrabbling with its hind legs and trying to get back on the roof. I think we found it. Um, Arbok, do something. Huh. What do we do? Um, hmm. It likes you. Magic? No, no, no. It makes its way onto the roof and gets itself stable and then walks a little bit closer so that it's in line with you guys and then it stops and waits. Hmm. How high up is it's it? It's on top of a building. I don't know. This building is tall. Oh, gosh. Doctor, do you think you can command it to come down or... Well, it's kind of stopped. Is it looking in our direction? Yeah. Do you think it's following? Following yeah. us? Yeah. Or, well, more accurately, is it following Urbach? Um, right. We should probably try and make sure if it's following us that... I don't know. Do you think it's worth just hiding it or something until we learn what to do with it? How do you propose that we hide it if it's following us? Hmm... Um, I can make myself temporarily invisible. I can, can you make other things invisible? No. Oh. I can temporarily make myself invisible. I can't make anything other than myself invisible. That's unfortunate. That would have been helpful. Do you still have that cloak you took from Langdangdrosa? He was quite big, wasn't he? Yeah, I do still have that. What do you propose? I suppose it may be a bit much to assume we could just cover him up. I'm not sure if that would be more or less conspicuous. Maybe we can load down with some food. I don't know. Does that thing eat? I don't know. It's a demon. I don't know if demons eat. Hmm. As you're all standing there in the middle of the street and looking up, because you are standing there in the middle of the street and looking up, you're actually drawing attention to the thing, and other people are starting to stop and stand in the street and look up. They're beginning to create a fuss. Is there some alley maybe adjacent to the building it's on that we can walk but we're not just standing there? Doesn't appear to be one, no. Shoot. Hmm. I assume we're beginning to notice that there's a fuss happening around us. Oh, I would expect so. At this point, there's six to ten people who've started to gather with you. Maybe we should move. Yeah, let's let's break it up. Well, why don't we just continue to where we were going and... Um, should we go somewhere more conspicuous? Or I could go somewhere more conspicuous if it's following me? I mean, I don't know if we could bring it to these fountains. That may be rather central. Yeah, that... Hmm. If you draw it away... I'm assuming it's following me. As you all start walking down the high street, it begins to walk along this roof that it's kicking tiles off the roof as it goes. Oh, come. And then it gets to the edge of a building and... Um, friends, could you all indulge me for a moment? Um, Doctor, would you mind walking ahead a few feet? I'll carry on walking. You carry on walking and it continues to follow her back. Well, it's definitely following the Doctor. I wonder. I'm looking at Mix and Toby here. You two are dressed rather exotically. Perhaps one of you could pretend to be some kind of performer, and this is. And if we cover it up, it could be a beast of some kind, like a trained beast. You could put a leash on it, and it could walk with us, maybe, if I stay near. Well. Like you're part of a circus. Yes! That's a great idea. Uh, That's not an entirely terrible plan, but my suggestion would be to get it off the roof first. And perhaps we don't want to do that in an area where there's so many people. Yes, um, we, we should find somewhere more secluded. Toby, you're going to get a good into alleyways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Toby, why don't you just try to take us literally anywhere else? <laughs> I don't think Toby's even mad. <laughs> Because it's happened twice. As you are walking along, because this thing is clearly following you, I think the people that huddled around you and were also looking continue to also follow you. 
Not all of them, but some of them clearly are following you as well because they're curious. What the fuck is that thing? It's just following and kind of wrecking shit as it goes. Um, seems like we also have some other tagalongs. It's mostly street kids. Could one of you make those children go away? I turn around so I'm looking for a point in the distance and I want to use thaumaturgy to create a loud, sudden crashing sound off in the distance in an attempt to make them turn around and investigate that instead. You make this loud crash and I think one or two of them, huh? Looks over his shoulder and then looks back up at the thing on their roof and goes, whoa. Ah, shit. I think a few of them start wandering over. Hey boy, come on. Hey boy. Can I cast Mage Hand? As the children are trying to call down the creature, I want to have the hand come up in front of them and, you know, that waggling finger thing? No, 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 wrong way. (laughs) You put up a hand and it waggles at them and they start laughing and giggling and trying to poke it. It tries to poke them back. They try to poke it. It swivels down, swoops in, pokes one of them in the chest and he falls flat on his ass, starts crying really loudly. And the other kids around him are like, hey! And they start trying to attack the hand. Well, at least they're distracted. See? Should we keep walking? I'm just going to keep moving. I'll keep them busy with the hand, it's fine. I'm haunting an alleyway. Oh god, please be an alleyway. As you walk away, the demon starts following you. So you start wandering down the streets. Not all of the kids were distracted by this hand, and not all of them were trying to get it to come down so as you're walking along they start following you there's a young hobgoblin and a half-orc girl who's following you along and the half-orc's probably i'm gonna say four years old she's wearing a little dress and she's just toddling after you and sucking her thumb she's got a little cuddly toy that she's just dragging along the floor and she's got her thumb in her mouth when you stop she just looks over and goes big thing up there speak yes um um what is it? It's a monkey. <laughs> monkey. 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 Yes. Big monkey. It is. Why is it there? Um, because it's um looking for a banana. She looks down at her cuddly toy. No banana. Do you want to go get a banana? Okay. She puts her hand out. Um. Ah. Um. Um, I just rummage around and quickly give her a silver. I'm aware that I've just chucked a silver in her hand. She puts the silver in her hand and puts her thumb back in her mouth with the silver in her hand. <laughs> Thanks. I'm cooking Nana. And toddles off in the opposite direction down the street. I hastily gesture to someone. Probably Toby, I think. You definitely see some nearby alleys. You are able to use that moment to dash into a side street. And the grey render turns and vaults the entire width of the road, landing on the other side of the street on the building with an almighty crash as it begins to follow you. Follow her back. Yeah, I follow. The thing is quite clearly still on the roofs above you, though you can see it far less clearly now. What now? How do we get it down, is the question. I'm going to back up, and I'm going to try and gesture and say here in Dwarvish, or down. Just a variety of things. As soon as you gesture and say here, it leaps off the roof, lands suddenly, dramatically, <laughs> right next to Murren, between Murren and the Doomsinger, and <laughs> is now in the alley. It lands on its knees and elbows as it slams its forearms into the ground and then slowly stands up to its full height, which is now no taller than slightly above Murren's waistline, but it's still quite intimidating, as it's very bulky in mass. Uh. And it looks up at you, Urbach. Hmm. 
Good doggy. Toby, do you have that cloak? <sighs> yeah, give me a second. I, we've got the money wrapped up in it. Crouch down and I take my backpack off and I start rummaging around. Actually, thinking about that, I'm imagining we're going to have to go back to the outer city at some point and they might be looking for someone carrying this exact sum of money so i'm thinking should we randomly distribute what i took between ourselves so that no one of us is carrying all of the evidence yes i suppose that makes sense i take the cloak out and unwrap the gold but we are not to spend i think it's better if we each have a portion of this but you are definitely not to spend it. It's not your own money. We're definitely giving this to the people at the Callum Jewel Emporium. Right, of course. But I just think it's better that I'm not carrying all of it because they're going to be able to work out exactly how much was taken. Randomly distribute amounts of it to everybody and then give the cloak to uh, back because I'm pretty sure if I try and put it on the creature, I might lose a hand. Okay, Um. now let me see. This cloak, I'm trying to work out how best to put it on this thing. On second thoughts, this cloak may be... I'm going to try and wrap him up. You start by draping the cloak over it, and it becomes readily apparent that whilst it will sit on its shoulders, because this thing is so broad, it will sit on it. But the length of the cloak quite clearly trails, and as you're putting it on, it starts walking forwards towards you. Cloak just slowly trails out. I think this is just going to attract more attention. Should we try... I don't know. I've got my travelling cloak, I guess. Aha! I root around, and I'm going to fish out that old beggar's clothing that I have buried away. You bring out the majority of the clothes, you start looking through the disguise kit. <sighs> well, you did get... You got a backpack that had an awning that you could fix to it so that it would look like a street peddler. Mm-hmm. That would create an overhang. And you start going through the kit and you realise that the pants, there's no way you are getting the trousers on this thing. The bulk of its legs would just tear them as they were being put on. Chances are its legs would as well. But the sleeves on the shirt are very, very loose, very wide, and they are short sleeves. So it's able to get its hands, its claws through, and it, it just lifts its arms up and you can put the sleeve over one of its arms and then you do it on the other side and it's wearing a very very large short sleeved shirt it's still got long clawed arms and the shirt does come down to at least halfway down its thighs it's a very very long shirt and you do also have this rucksack with an awning and of course the classic peddler's hat which if worn at the right angle could potentially mask its face if it kept its head down the right way and it doesn't use its eyes to see anyway, so maybe you'll get away with it. You finish doing up its shirt that hangs around its body, and it's carrying your rucksack now, I guess? And it's got a large awning. Put the wide-brimmed floppy hat on. The shirt has a large front pocket, a lot like hoodies often do, that go all the way through. And with guidance, you encourage it to stick its hands on top of one another inside the front pocket. So now it's just a large, grey-skinned humanoid with a beak face. I guess that works, and if anyone gets too curious, we can tell them he's cursed. We may need to work on this at some other point when we're able to get some materials or funds, or... I mean, I'm not sure there's much of a better way you can mask that particular face shape, but... So it's a very thick Kenku? Uh... (laughs) I'm not sure what about this creature makes you think Kenku. It has a beak. Yes. Of sorts. I mean, at least this is less attention-grabbing. 
And he looks kind of cute. I'm just giving Mix the most judgmental look right now. <laughs> well, um, I suppose that's one problem solved. Well, we we have it at least, and hopefully we won't lose it again. Hopefully. So, do we continue on to the fountain area where we're meant to meet Celebon? Don't see why not. Yes, let's do that. I'm pretty sure the the longer we go without meeting them, the angrier they're probably going to be with us. So long as there are no more distractions. We can focus from now, right? Okay, let's go then. You all walk out of the side street and begin to make your way to the central square and the Grey Render follows, keeping its arms in the shirt and plodding along behind you, swaying with the awning. I keep very close to it. It's got all my stuff. And that's all we had time for. Join us next week for episode 17, Revelations. Don't forget, if you're at London MCM, stop by Perlesked to say hi. Mention our show for freebies. More details in the show notes. Until next time, travel safe. And remember, in this realm or the next, the scales of justice are here for you. Always. Always.